last time on Join the Party. Zayul is having a special discount on labors. Two labors for the price of one. And all you have to do is tame a cat named Mr. Pickles. Except Mr. Pickles is a massive man-eating lion. The party knocks on the door of the only guy who can help them out. Uh, <coughs> I'm coming. I'm all on. I'm coming. Say hello to Vince. He seems totally normal. Vince leads them to the lion's cave, but a massive thorny maze has grown overnight. Anara makes quick work of the labyrinth, while Tracy gets lost and is attacked by the ferocious lion. I shove my cannon arm into his mouth and fire it. Turns out, that works. The lion seems to be a ravenously hungry and cursed Vince. The episode then takes a hard left into Queer Eye territory, as Tracy and Johnny clean up Vince's life and Inara finishes the mission. Just to make it look like we did this, I'm gonna get as much fur as I can. We promise, this episode won't be about TV. It is much more highbrow. Let's get the soiree started. doing you need to close the door you're gonna let all the heat out come in come inside come inside none of you are wearing hats so uh how's mr pickles uh, how well how'd it go uh, how do i know you did it tracy got the fur tracy upturns the bag and beautiful locks of amazing lion fur fall to the floor Oh, you groomed him very well. Thank you. I appreciate that. I haven't seen him in so long. I didn't know what happened to my little cat. I just let him wander around. He's an outdoor cat. You, you mean the person that you turned into a cat? Ah. Uh, and by cat, we mean lion. And, and cast off to, to walk around without any training or self-knowledge. And or, kill a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Nope, by cat, you mean murderer. Yeah. We're throwing the M word around a lot, aren't we? I mean, it's not his fault, really. It's more yours. Negligence. Negligence. Yeah. Trickery. Trickery. Is the speaker here? Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, the speaker is in the same spot that she was before, and she's still sitting quietly with her hands clasped together on her lap and has not said anything as you walked in. Okay, you've done half of the labors already. It's going very well. Congratulations. Uh, pat yourselves on the back for me. I'm stuck inside of a compass, so I cannot do it. Only with one of my hands. Get it? Hands? Get it? Oh. Of a compass? Uh, here's the deal. We're gonna need some food, some rest, and some supplies to keep tackling the rest of this list. We were very nearly mauled and eaten by this lion, so, you know, it's been a day. They almost ate my, my friend Tally here. I don't, I don't know who that is. He's a, he's a bag. Are you your best friends with a bat? You're a compass, I mean. These are all things that are true. Uh, okay, uh, you know what? Well, I can, before I send you off to the next labor, I can get you a place to stop, to eat, all those things. Yeah, bridge. Bridge stands to attention. Yeah, how can I, how can I be of service? Pick the next labor, I'll send you wherever you want to go, and then Bridge, using his infinite knowledge of Chronopolis, will show you a good time, a place to national. Is that what before you do the next thing? How's that? 
What? Sorry? Yep. Um, okay, which uh, which labor do you want to do next? Okay, let's go. Okay, here we go. Which one will give me my spell slots back? Zero of them. Cool. Well, it is cold outside, so maybe a trip to the opera would be nice. Yeah, go indoors. Wear something fresh. like it. I like it. I'm in! Also, can I sing? Trace, babe, you can follow your heart. Great. Bridge hears that you said opera, and he starts, like, patting all of his pockets, like, on the front of his pockets and in the back, and he has, like, chest pockets as well in his guard uniform, and he grabs his bag, and he starts digging through, and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, is that... Oh, is that tonight? I'm party to this now, aren't I? With you bros. You need a date? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll show you. You know, there's a really good, like, there's like a soup place. Like a, like a stoop, soups and stews place near the opera house. I uh, I know where to go. Okay. Alright, Zayul, start up your magical elevator to the open oh, is over land thing. I, I'll take him where to go. You're a god and you use elevators as transport? Is it? Oh, it's magic. Bridges doesn't, uh, he fell out of Trinity School. I feel like it's actually just elevators. Also, why did we walk home through the snow if there are magic elevators around willing to take us from place to place? Well, this guy over here who has two eyebrows and can't actually do magic right, that guy, he can only make you go one way. So he can't pick us up. He just sends us to where he wants to go. That's why we have to keep walking back. Yeah, you know all those one-way elevators? Okay. Let's go. Let's go. The door on the opposite side of the dome opens up, and you hear the sounds of a city pour into the dome. You hear bikes, you hear cars and motorcycles roaring by. You hear the sound of hundreds of people talking simultaneously, boots crunching into the new snow, and one particularly loud person hawking the best soups this side of Concentra. Yes, that is my spot. The meaty river. Oh, no. It's like at 7-Eleven when you're allowed to bring your own receptacle. Oh, no. So you can like, bring your like vases and just like fill it up with soup. Yeah. yeah this like is that. so sanitary. Before Johnny walks through the threshold to find himself a nice clam bisque, he puts on the sunglasses of the arcane eye. Okay. So like we did last time, when you walk through the dimensional door that Zeol has made for you, it is bound by distance, so you're going to be able to see like a minute or so of what's going on in the dome before you are out of reception range for the arcane eye. Great. So Bridge is leading you three across the street over to his favorite soup shop, the Meaty River, which happens to be right next to this extremely decadent and beautiful opera house. There's stained glass windows just covering the entire front. Uh, There are two large spires that reach almost through the clouds that are sprinkling a late dusting of snow upon the city. And the early crowd is starting to walk in to a opera that is going to happen then. Do other people look like they were prepared for this change of weather? Are they wearing like sandals with a coat hastily thrown over it? Or do they seem like they dressed for winter? I think that some people look very unprepared. But it's like they were going to the opera anyway, and everyone just looks very fancy. It's like you're just wearing your like standard, like, this is my fanciest outfit. And some people have fur coats, but other people don't. And they, they have like snow that's getting over their ball gowns and suit jackets. As Bridge is leading you all into the meaty river, Johnny, you get a quick look into your sunglasses. So this is for about a minute and a minute and a half. The first 45 seconds is like it was before. The speaker was sitting quietly with a furrowed look on her face. Seems like she's concentrating on something. And then 
unsteadily. She is up from one of the auditorium chairs and she stumbles down the steps while still trying desperately to concentrate on something. And she puts her hand directly onto the compass. Purple light starts to glow underneath of her hand and then the connection is severed. Very cool. Oh, yeah. That's just great information to have. And now I'm off to get a, a get river, a, of soup, a river of soup, soup into Boat my mouth. Of soup. The media river is packed, and you don't exactly know what day it is, but it's like everyone needs to get soup immediately, regardless of their wear. Inside, there are people who look extremely unprepared for the snow. People in like short shorts and flip flops and sunglasses and other people are wearing that but like underneath like a really heavy coat it is warm in there in the way that good soup is supposed to make you feel while you are outside in the frigid cold there's only one person working behind the counter and it seems like they have more arms and hands than they should but i wouldn't ask about it what is the menu uh it just says soup just soup yeah it's actually written on a chalkboard and it just says soup and then small is two gold pieces and large is three gold pieces. And then below it, in common, it says, yeah, it's just soup. Bridge, why are we here? Because it's delicious, man. It's also directly next to the opera house. I'm going to take the biggest table that's available, and even if there's trash on it, I'll wipe it off the table. You absolutely know there's trash on it. Yeah. got to bust it yourself. I clean that up, and while they all order soup, I'm going to start making everyone's outfits for the evening. Yeah, Nara's already at the counter ordering four large soups. Okay. Tracy, don't look, but I know that looks like a human. But that guy definitely has like six more arms than usual. That's pretty cool. I, I want, think it's cool, dude. But don't look at it. Can I get more arms? Tracy, you're looking right at the arms. I know, I want them. No, stop looking at the arms. I want to have all the arms. Guys, go get the table, please. Bridget and Tracy come over to the, the table. Before Bridge walks away, Nara's going to pickpocket him. For gold. <laughs> yes! Right, yeah. I love it. All right. Uh, make a sleight of hand check. That's a nat 20. Ooh! <laughs> ba, 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 ba. Okay. So you can take as much gold as you want. And what is the thing that you think is on bridge that you would like to take? A sick pocket knife that probably also has a little tiny wrench in it to fix his motorcycle. As Ridge turns around to uh, get a seat with Johnny, yeah, you just like pluck 50 gold pieces out of his pocket and a very beautiful multi-tool that is rose gold. Hell yeah. And uh, you like start popping a few of them open and one is like a small pocket knife. One is a wrench. One is a comb. One is a granola bar. There's just a bunch of weird stuff on that. Conveniently, would one of those tools happen to be a file to replace, say, the file that I lost in my awful attempt at picking a lock in the first arc? You know what? As you go through all of them, there is a nail file on there. And the nat 20 smiled upon her that day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you roll above a 10, I will give you the tool that you are looking for. But it has to be, like, probable that it would be on a multi-tool. Love it. Well, I'm going to use the gold that uh, Bridge has unknowingly but generously supplied to buy our soups. As soon as uh, Inara arrives with the soups, I've finished fashioning a cold weather appropriate fancy opera night black tie event suits and clothing options for the four of us. So uncannily, Johnny has made the exact kind of outfit that I, Amanda, would love to wear to the opera one day. Some close-cut tuxedo-style pants with a little stripe going up the side, a white collared shirt, and a, like, sateen-style 
high cropped jacket with a little bit of a long tail. And then the lining of the jacket has little tiny daggers on it. Ooh. Uh, Bridge just gets a top hat. Tracy is surprisingly the most dapper he's ever been in his entire existence. He has a finely tailored, modern, yet reminiscent of old tail tuxedos made of beautiful Italian wool. Now he does attach a beautiful gold chain to his pocket watch and put it in his vest pocket and has finely polished shoes, does wear his cape, kind of dust it off a little bit, uh, but he is also wearing the tuxedo t-shirt underneath. Oh, good, yes. Johnny has a matching chain for his pocket watch. Uh, he's wearing a nice crisp white shirt that in darkness has very subtle lights. He's wearing <laughs> suspenders underneath his very appropriately full black uh, kimono. It has tails because it's a kimono. And he is, of course, wearing shorts. And he's wearing the nicest pair of sandals and sock combination. Each sock looks like it's its own tuxedo. And, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> and it's a sun hat, but also reminiscent of a top hat. Now, do all four of us have a monocle on a stick? Or is it just <laughs> I, have, I have provided, also, an item for everyone that Eric will decide if it has any utility. For Inara, there is one of those uh, glasses that she can hold up, uh, like the fancy ladies yeah, would opera in glasses, opera, yeah. opera glasses. Those are more straightforwardly named than we expected. Yes. <laughs> no, they are telescopic. Like They're telescopic see. opera yeah. glasses that will help her see. For Bridge, that top hat has a secret compartment for his hooch. And his gloves. And maybe another item that Bridge might want to keep in there. For Tracy, I've added a lining on the inside and a chain to hold it together. It basically makes it easier for you to whip around with a flourish, making you look a lot more charismatic. Thanks, Johnny. Bridge opens up the secret compartment in his hat and he's like, oh man, I'm going to keep my worst whiskey in here. This is going to be great. I'm going to I'm gonna share it with my, uh, with my guest for tonight. Who's oh. Your, who, you have a date? Who's your guest? You know, I think that he is taken. And the door slams open. Snow and wind rush through the front door. And standing out in the cold with snow all on his boots and in his beautiful golden hair is your friend, Greg Nectaria. Bridge, bridge, I'm over here. I'm so ready to see this. Oh, fuck you guys. Greg, it's been an age. Tracy's hand instinctively goes to his axe. No, bridge. Finger guns with lights. No, no, <laughs> I'm not. I am not even entertaining this. Nope, I'm walking. I'm just. I'm walking away. I'm walking away from this. Bridge, right, give me the bye. tickets. Goodbye. Bridge, give me the tickets. Hey, Greg. Uh, some stuff has changed since the last time you saw us. I don't know if you talked to Alonzo, but he was. And then I kind of look around, make sure no one's listening, and kind of lean a little bit closer. He was actually imprisoned, and we rescued him. No, I knew exactly where he was. He decided to bail. He went to um Tordopolis, right? He tried to, and then he was immediately imprisoned. Yeah, probably in Tortopolis. Well, that was his decision to go. And as it comes down to me, I think that when you leave someone for the third time out in the lurch like that, I think that that's grass for breaking up. And now we're not together, and I don't have to talk to you guys anymore. Bridge, come on, let's go. Jeez, what a jerk. Excuse me? Do you have something to say? Tracy, do you have something to say? 
Yeah, I said you're being kind of an unapologetic, unempathetic jerk. Johnny is going to stand in between them, pushing Tracy back just a little bit. I don't think you know what a lot of Greg, I'm sorry that uh, we are the last people you want to see here. Uh, we are not here to interrupt your opera. We are here on business for the realm, and we will do our very best to not get in the way of you and a lovely evening with your friend, Bridge. Here, take a complimentary soup. And I hand him my soup. <laughs> I ate at home. Well, then, here's an apple for you to munch on. Why do you opera. always fucking have apples? I am trying to keep the peace here. And I hand him the apples that have been mysteriously sliced into convenient pieces and put in a little baggie so that he may enjoy during the opera. With a little of lemon butter. juice to prevent them from Absolutely, with a little tight. bit of lemon juice. Tight. Yeah. Uh, Walt Greg is mystified by these apple slices, hopefully. And is going to sidle up to be next to Johnny and say to Greg, professional's professional here. And then kind of holds up a finger so that Craig does not object to that like he probably wants to. Um, <laughs> what is the deal with Zayol? What's up with that guy? Greg stops being angry for a moment and is just extremely confused. Like the third god of the Trinity? I mean, I don't know him personally. He's kind of just like a deity that's responsible for death and stuff. I What? I like how our tactic has been to confuse him out of anger, but yeah. also it seems like um, as Greg's about to open his mouth again and continue to scream, the door slams open again, and you hear a high-pitched voice from behind you say, does anyone know how to sing? Anybody? Does anyone in this suit place know how to sing? Tracy oh, raises his hand. Johnny uh, immediately lowers Tracy's I'm hand. I'm going to roll. <laughs> oh, I rolled extremely well for perception. Good. Oh, Okay, you raise your hand. Good, 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 good. You hear very quick steps run up to you. And there is a uh, a halfling woman with her hair in like four braids. And she looks very put together and very done up. And she is sweating and looks extremely nervous. Can you sing? Yeah. Can you stand on stage? Yeah, I can stand on a stage. Wait, can your friends sing? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I believe um, I have the black lug. <laughs> Johnny here can talk real good, and I bet an could sing. Oh my god. No way! Wait, you're Johnny Tracy and Anara. Yeah, who's Maybe? asking? Anara, Hesitant finger guns? Anara, you left Representative Brink by herself! You got you from the Bachelor Tournament! No way! Oh my god, this is perfect! I can't believe I ran into you. Why are you at the Meaty River? Never mind. I never mind. I've been trying to figure that out for an hour. I'm having a huge problem, and I need you three to help me. What? What's happened? What's going on? Anara, I want you to make a perception check. That is a fifteen. As you're listening to the halfling woman excitedly remember you from the bachelor tournament, you see that uh, Greg is pulling Bridge out of the door. Bridge try waves to you from the front door, but um, they're already out by the time that you notice. Okay, hi. Um, okay, let me introduce myself. Hi. God, I can't believe... And she looks down at her watch and says, I have 30 minutes. Okay, okay, okay. Hi, uh, I'm Paige. Mikkel, it's really nice to meet all of you. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm meeting you on the worst day of my life. Okay, um, I am an apprentice here at the opera. I'm uh, assistant director to the 
the whole thing to the Chronopolis Opera House, cool. but I, you know, I'm actually putting on a show tonight. This is like I got one night to put on. Oh, congratulations! Like, Thanks, and it would usually be good, but um, I need three people to fill in for really important, minor but important roles uh, at the Opera House for tonight's my performance, which is tonight. What happened to the three people? We're in. Nice. Just yes, nice, nice. Okay, cool. Um, did they die? What happened? They all got yeah. They all got super sick. Like at the last minute, like two what? two days ago. Did they eat the soup from this place? Probably. Uh oh. I mean, when everyone got sick and they, I didn't have any understudies because this is like my thesis show. Uh, so I had to turn to magic. I, and I know some magic. Usually, I just make like I can make illusionary copies of people. You're, these are really small roles, so you could just fill it in. Like only one of you really has a, has a line, but instead. Dips. Okay, good to know. But instead of, uh, okay, well, instead I summoned a strange, terrible creature from another plane. Say what now? A strange creature from another plane came in through my magic. For now, because I'm calling them the muse. They usually stay invisible, but then occasionally they come out of the shadows and they're like translucent. It looks like glass and their legs uh, don't really they don't really have legs, but they have like three finger claws. It's so weird. Oh, yeah. And because everything's like super artsy around here, there's a hollow space where the heart should be. So you tried to do illusory magic, which is illusions, and you conjured a demon not even from the nine hells. No, from just, a totally different just plane. From the like, plane of artistry is what all of my actors keep telling me. And I tell them that the thing that dropped all the lights on our dress rehearsal is not just an artistic thing of my own imagination. This is, uh, you, this is a, quite the pickle. They're attracted to the art. They haunt the opera house, or they haunt me, or they haunt the st- the actual opera itself. I I don't I don't know how to explain it. I just I need three people, and there's no one like sea level celebrities to totally show up in an opera for tiny roles, and that would be really great, and I would really appreciate it. They could be level, right? Uh, no. Again, with the costume idea, just really not being this face on a stage would be great. Can I be the star? Yeah, actually, you know what? Anara, I have the perfect thing for you. No right, one will see your face at all. I'm down. Right, what? Tracy, I know you're definitely in. You're going to be perfect for this one line you have to do. Is the most important line of the whole show? Yes. Great. I'm going to say yes. Great. Good. Johnny, I will donate all everything I'm getting paid to child literacy if you just do this, please. Okay, but... Uh, what's your uh, light direction situation? Have they thought about... <laughs> it's good. It's good. I promise it's good. Okay. All right. Go. Okay. Every, you're coming with me. And Paige pulls all three of you by the hand out of the meaty river to the stage entrance of the opera house. As Paige pulls you in, she's letting you know what the opera is. This is called The Lamentable Farce of the Princess. I want everyone to make a history or a performance check to see how much you know about the play. I think one of Anara's cousins might have seen this when they were touring a big city before coming back home. So I actually rolled an 18 on history. Oh, hell yeah. Good. Johnny in his fantasy high school was absolutely one of the supporting actors in this, and he got 16. Okay, cool. I think one of the manuscripts and books and things that were in the library when Tracy was a quote-unquote kid 
was the script because he rolled a 20 for history. Wow. Non-natural. That's fine. Uh, Still better than normal. This is very good. Okay. (laughs) This is a classic opera, so it's entirely possible that you've read this. Okay. So all of you actually rolled really high, so I'm going to read what I have written here, and Tracy, you are going to get advantage anytime that you do an action that pertains to the play. Hell yeah. Okay. So this is called The Lamentable Farce of the Princes by Wanda Spellstave, and it's a tragic comic operetta. It is about two princes, Samson and Sebastian, who are secretly lovers despite their family's rivalry. They are commanded to resolve their ancestral feud by entering a deadly duel. Whichever son remains shall lead the city. What follows is nearly three and a half hours of narrow misses and misdirections as the princes do everything in their power to avoid the battle. The play ends in a dramatic confrontation where each of the princes takes a sleeping potion to make their families think they died. The factions end their feud, and when the princes wake, they reunite and lead their city into a new dynasty. So a page turns to you first and says, Anara, I know you don't want to be on stage and no one wants to see your face, so I have the perfect thing for you. Well, uh, you're going to be the back half of a manticore. <laughs> <laughs> I think the costume will fit you perfectly. (laughs) Great. You're going to do so good. You're going to kill it. Just don't break up with anyone on stage. Paige, that's hurtful. Um, Johnny. Okay, Johnny, you are so loyal and so, like, defensive and you fight for things. And you're going to be a loyal bodyguard that never leaves Sebastian's side. Does he have to say anything? No, you don't have to say anything. Okay, yeah. No lines, no lines. I I promise. Um, Does he actually have to fight anyone? Because that also might be a problem. No, you're just going to stand there and you're going to look really cool. I'm going to look cool or tough? Tough. You're going to look tough. (laughs) Tracy. This guy. Right here. Tracy. Okay. So you are going to be an old bard. Sebastian, 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 Sebastian. No, we already had. He's already taken. Okay. You're going to be an old barkeep whose only line is... I'll get the door. I'll get the door. That's okay. Work on that one, but I'll that's get your line. The door. I'll get the door. That's better. Okay. Oh. Door. I'll get the. Uh, okay. Okay. So I'll, here is. I'll get the door. Is that better? Or I'll get the door. Or I'll get the door. That's good. Is that good? I like that. That's that's very good. That's pretty good. That's good. So here's how this is gonna work. The play proceeds through four acts. Each act is a short scene where one or more of you guys are going to act to keep the show going and stop the muse from doing what the muse does. You can track the audience's enjoyment on a scale of 1 to 10. We're going to start at 5, and then I have an audience favor table that I'm going to keep track of. Uh-oh. Each time you can succeed in keeping the show going, you can keep the enjoyment level where it is, but you can do, like, fun things on stage and make performance roles or other social roles to try and boost the audience's favor. So everyone is getting ready around you. There are just like actors running around looking for their props. There are stage hands and a stage manager yelling at everyone to get into position. Johnny, you note that there is a guy who looks exactly like you doing the lights. <laughs> Super weird. <laughs> I'm about it. Tracy's looking for his eyeliner. We can't find his eyeliner. Where's Tracy's eyeliner? <laughs> So as Paige is trying to direct everyone, she's also trying to summarize the play at the same time. So in the beginning, the families order the duel, but both princes claim their opponent is too weak to fight them and they need time to become worthy. So their family gives them a week to prepare. 
Then Sebastian's evil uncle plots to take control of the family. He forces Sebastian to join him in sneaking into Samson's castle at night and plans to kill Sebastian as soon as Samson is defeated. Samson's best friend, a tiefling named Murdertino, recounts Samson's disastrous last relationship with a centaur. Paige goes through a ton of criticisms about this scene, calling it problematic, especially as it's viewed through a modern lens, but Samson defends his actions as an early form of interspecies advocacy. Samson's friends all get into a fight at the tavern, and Murdertino bites someone's thumb off. Sebastian then consults with a monk blessed by the four elements, but really this is just a crass joke for blowing wind and using wind magic. It's pretty funny, but no one really gets it unless you do it right. And then the princes unite in secret and visits three alchemist witches who gives them an obtuse and moralizing speech relating their family feud to two geese fighting over stale pie crust. (laughs) So at this point, Paige is like, okay, does everyone get it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Doom, love, fighting, yes, good. That's a very good summary. You should be an English teacher one time. Paige? (laughs) And then I just stare at her. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's totally fine. I got got too too much in my head, and I really shouldn't have been talking about interspecies stuff for so long. Uh, I just really love this operetta really much. Okay, so you you all need to get in your costumes. Tracy, there's an apron that you can just throw on. Uh, Johnny, actually, what you're wearing's fine. You look pretty good. And Inara... I need you to get into costume. Tracy Snickers. Inara backs away toward the dressing room, staring at Tracy the whole time. (laughs) I'm going to provide one of my dancing lights to Inara so that she can see while she's in the butt. Thank you. It's Janice. It's Janice. Okay, so you go into your your dressing room, and there is a very, very tall man with a big, black, bushy beard, and he turns around and... You realize who this is. This is an acclaimed theater actor, and his name is Lewis Knight Daniels, and he's going to be the front of your manticore. Ah, you have come to be the other half of the manticore. Welcome into the bestiary realm. I've been eating nothing but bugs for the last three weeks, and I appreciate that you've done the same amount of preparation. Inara uncharacteristically thinks for a moment before acting, (laughs) and then... Just does a little half bow, half curtsy, and just nods sagely at this actor. And then points at the butt, which is hanging up by suspenders, and walks over to put her feet in the feet. But that's exactly what I like to see. We need to become one of the same. I am the front quarters, and you are the hind quarters, and together we are the full manticore. That threatens the castle. That is the main crux of the beginning of the operetta. Inara sort of bows slightly at the waist and puts the suspenders over her shoulders and stands there. Ah, spoken like a true hindquarters, saying nothing. Inara is pinching herself very hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so while Inara is getting ready, Paige looks out through the curtains to look at the audience. So the audience is at a five. This is a scale of one to ten. At a five, the audience is just chilling, watching the show. They're silent, but neither excited nor bummed out. And Paige peeks out through the curtain, and she says, oh, no, I knew this was going to happen, but I can't believe it's still happening today. This is real. This is real. She looks at Johnny and Tracy and says, okay, so my professor, Professor Carriage, uh, she's, she's that dwarf woman right in the third row. Johnny and Tracy, you look out, and you see this dwarf woman who has a sour look on her face and a very fancy braided beard. 
yeah, I she's really hard on me, but I know that she just thinks um, I can actually do really well and make a difference here. But she's a very strict judge of performance. Like, if I don't do well here, I mean, it can be sunk. Like, I can they can reject me. I'm going to have to do another two years of grad school, and I don't have the money for that. And I'm just going to be an academic for the rest of my life, and it's going to be so bad. It's going to be so bad. You, hey, 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 Paige. You got the jailbirds on your team. That doesn't make... Hey, is that your team name? You got the jailbirds. Wait, what's this? I'll get the door. I forgot the limos. Was that right? No, that was good. No, that was good. <laughs> Johnny, as Tracy is pacifying Paige, you look over and you see that sitting next to Professor Carriage is Greg and Bridge. Cool. So, Johnny, I think that when you open the curtain, you accidentally like opened it too far and you stepped out. People think this is like a theatrical creation. I'm going to do an acrobatic dance to warm the audience up to the show. I like it. Johnny, you're so old. I'm so old. So here's what happened. You do your acrobatic dance, and it's so archaic that people think it's like from the time frame of the actual operetta. So people in the audience start clapping. They're like keeping time. They're like, go, 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 go. And someone in the back is like, this is so exactly what the time period is. And you could also see that Greg sees you on stage, and it was like, what is this guy doing? I He's wink open- at Greg. <laughs> no. He's just open-mouthed and pointing at you. And we're going to start at a six, because he warmed up the crowd. Hey. Nice. This, something nice. that normally happens at an opera. <laughs> Warm <laughs> up. <laughs> and Paige then pulls you by the back of your coat. Like, what are you doing? Anara, you come out attached to the front of the manticore, because Lewis Knight Daniels wants time with you like in the actual costume. So we're waiting in the wings, yeah. attached next to Paige, and I'm still not saying anything. No. So as you three are standing next to Paige, the orchestra is starting to warm up, and you have like a few minutes before the opera is about to start, and Paige is like visibly nervous. She is like shaking and bouncing up and down. The actors have left props around, and the stagehand is cleaning up back there, and a stagehand is whistling, and uh, Paige takes like five minutes to just flip out at the stagehand because everyone knows that it's bad luck to whistle in a theater and she just like keeps nailing that home. So I want you three to make perception checks. Well, I got a nat 20. Seven. 15 plus two for 17. Okay. Anara, with your nat 20, you notice that a prop that the stagehand hasn't picked up yet is a small silver ring. And while the stagehand is whistling, the ring is still, but as soon as the stagehand stops whistling, the ring begins to spin. Uh, Paige? And that's why no one should be whistling backstage. It is totally against superstition. What do you want? And I'm just going to point at the ring spinning on the side table. Paige turns to it and stops herself for a moment and says, Yeah, I think the muse is here tonight. And she runs over and grabs the ring. Hey, it's Eric. I am changing the structure of the mid-roll because I have some very important news for you. 
It's fall! Yes, it's finally fall! That means cinnamon and everything, pumpkin patches, sweaters and cardigans and long pants and heavy socks and boots, pets in silly costumes, watching Hocus Pocus ten times in a month, pumpkin pie, did I say sweaters already? I meant flannels. Flannels are so good, and there's blankets, and it's a wonderful season, and this is a wonderful break. Welcome to the mid-roll. I've been mulling some cider for you this entire time. Hello to our new patrons, JJ, Musical Toad, Kristen, Dylan, Thomas, Vince, uh, Vince, Brett, Gareth, Scott, Stina, Anna, Lewis, Hannah, Ban, Carter, and Drew. You're all magical and wonderful, and your hair always looks great. Amanda and I have started our podcasting journeys full-time, and your support is part of the reason that we can follow our dreams. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to have your name read out loud, or maybe have your name integrated into the campaign as an NPC, you gotta join the Patreon. I am prepping the arc after this one, and I need character names. Head on over to patreon.com slash join the party, and for as little as $1 an episode, you can join the party. We are sponsored this week by Calm, the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. Calm gives you the tools to lead a more mindful life. And this isn't a one-size-fits-all meditation. These precisely fit into your actual, real-life life. Just like you wouldn't use a sledgehammer when building a dollhouse, you wouldn't try to tell yourself to just chill out if you're having some deep-seated relationship issues. So Calm meets you where you are. They offer specific meditations around issues like anxiety, stress, focus, and relationships. And if you need something new to get your mind right, there's a brand new meditation each day called The Daily Calm. If you sign up now for a premium subscription at calm.com slash join the party, that is C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash join the party, you get 25% off unlimited access to everything on the Calm app. No one wants microtransactions while they're trying to get their mind right. So start today at com.com slash join the party. That's com, C-A-L-M dot com, C-O-M slash join the party. We are also sponsored this week as we are every single week by 20 Sided Store in Brooklyn, New York. We heard Lauren's recommendation for House of Danger in the last episode, a D&D type board game that keeps the adventure but cuts down on time and prep. So we picked it up and we played it last weekend and we love it. It is a true combination of modern board games and the classic choose-your-own-adventure games, and you can tell that they're not really taking themselves too seriously. We worked through the game in a few hours, but our path only hit 30% of the adventurers inside, so we're definitely going to replay this thing in the future. And you can play and replay all your favorite games at 20 Sided Store! Use the code JOINTHEPARTY in-store or online and save 20% off your favorite games. That code again is join the party, all one word, and you can check them out at 20, the full word, sidedstore.com or in person in wonderful Brooklyn, New York. All right, let's get back to the show. So the play begins. After an opening song from the chorus, the princes share a private song and a tender kiss. And since you're at a six, one person all the way in the back goes, oh yeah. (laughs) As they are tenderly kissing, 
They're interrupted by one of Samson's attendants who announces that they must attend a, a meeting arranged by their parents. And Paige whispers in Johnny's ear, all right, Johnny, you're on. Just look cool and tough. That's it. I stroll in. Okay. So, Johnny, you're standing in the corner looking at everything while the attendant is, like, reprimanding one of the princes. I want you to make a perception check. A 16. Okay. So, from the other side of the stage, you see the, the rope that holds the curtain together. It's starting to move by itself. In fact, the rope is slithering around like a snake, and then it rears back like it's about to strike. What do you do? So, I want to walk towards it to intercept its path. Now, when you act, all movements need to be purposeful. So I'm not just like randomly just walking. I'm walking there because as the bodyguard and, you know, he's worried about many things, his mortgage, his troubled uh, time at home. <laughs> I really find that motivation, man. But he knows that if he does a good job this week, he can get that promotion. I want the two princes to take Samson's attendant more seriously. So yeah. I'm going to intimidatingly walk on over and in the meantime also step on the rope. I want you to make a performance check for looking intimidating. And this is like your stage action. Just confirm that that is a nat 20. Could someone? God damn. Okay. So Fish... You're playing this for laughs. So what does it look like when the guard isn't like over the top intimidatingly? You know when you put your hands on your hips and then you're walking with raising your shoulders up and down? <laughs> just being like, hum, 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 I'm a strong, angry person. Hum, hum, hum. I shouldn't be talking, but I loudly are going, hurrumph, hurrumph, hurrumph. So the attendant is like, the princes need to be taking this on their best behavior. Hurrumph, 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 hurrumph. And <laughs> the attendant looks behind him and is like, all right. And I time that last harumph and step on this rope to prevent it from further moving. Okay, that's awesome. So the audience is laughing at Johnny, so I'm ratcheting this up to a seven. And I want you to make a dexterity roll, but I will give you advantage. Well, I'm glad you gave me advantage because I rolled originally a four, but now I got a 19 plus three for a 22. All right. While everyone is distracted by the laughter and the attendant gathers the attention of the scene again, the rope tries to lash out, but you are standing like on the snake's abdomen, if it was a snake. So it tries to lash out, but it, it does not get the length far enough. And it just like falls to the floor. When it is time for us to exit stage right or left, I will swiftly pick it up and move it off stage. All right. There you go. Very good, Johnny. Act one is done. All right, this is act two, scene four. To be clear, I'm standing in this costume sweating this entire time. <laughs> well, don't worry, Anara, this is your scene. Now in act two, the princes have been ordered to kill each other with Sebastian and his evil uncle. They sneak up to the Samson castle at night, but they are ambushed by the family's manticore. There's fog from a fog machine that's rolling in, and then you hear from the front, <laughs> Louis Knight Daniels goes, Oh! Truly inspiring. I put my hand over my mouth to stop from laughing. <laughs> and that's when Paige slaps the manticore on the hindquarters, which happens to be your face. And uh, you you two, like, tromp out. The uncle pipes up and says, Ah, this is a manticore. It is, has the face of a human, but the body of a lion, the wings of a dragon, and the tail of a scorpion, the most fearsome creature ever to be seen in the five concentric states. Ah. 
from the side of the stage, you hear Tracy go. <gasps> Aw. The uncle is very talented. He played Iago. <laughs> Lewis Knight Daniels is really going at it. He's trying to be as threatening as possible, even if this costume looks a little ridiculous. So he's doing the roar. He's, like, clomping around. The funny thing about the hind parts is that, like, you are standing in the lion's hindquarters, and you're hunched over, and there's actually, like, a little lever to move the scorpion tail around. Oh, a little rudder. Good. Yeah. Good. He has, like, a lever of his own to control the wings, so the wings are also flapping at the same time. And, Anara, I want you to make a strength check. Well, good thing I'm a strong little rogue, huh? Well, um, as they say, every rose has its thorn, and every crit win has a crit fail. (laughs) I got a one. (laughs) With a crit one, the handle just flies out of your hand. The rudder is wildly flapping from left to right and left to right. The audience on stage and Tracy and Johnny from the wings notice that the manticore's tail is actually starting to curl and point towards you like a scorpion. And it swipes at all of the actors on stage, including like its body. And both you and Lewis Knight Daniels take six points of damage. All right. But don't worry, Lewis Knight Daniels is a consummate professional, so he just continues on. But you know that this tale is out of control. Johnny, while you're back off stage, Paige looks you in the eye and says, You're supposed to be in this scene. I know. I was just here checking in with you that you knew I was supposed to be in the scene. Okay, remember, you're supposed to be super drunk, so just play it as such, okay? I can do that. Paige pushes you as you stumble backwards on the stage. I take out a bottle that looks alcoholic, and I start swinging it as I drunkenly walk on stage. And in that one action went all of his hopes of promotion and wealth and supporting his family. Oh, yes. I forgot. It's very good. (laughs) I forgot the bodyguard's hold. We're three layers of character deep here. Yes. So... So (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Anara... And Johnny, I want you to roll for initiative. Johnny, I'm going to give you disadvantage because you have to act like you're drunk. Fascinating. Got a five. Thirteen. This dice has turned on me. (laughs) This tale rolled very poorly, so drunk Johnny goes first. Great. This bodyguard is drunk, so he's not fully aware that this manticore is attacking him. However, I can sneakily cast Shillelagh on my bottle of hooch. Okay. (laughs) So I now use magic stats when I hit. Yeah. So I'm using an attack roll with my spell attack bonus. So that's a nat 20. Come on. There, I see (laughs) it. Let me see. So Johnny, do damage and you're going to do damage only to the tail. Okay, great. I got a nine. Nine damage to just the tail. Just the tail. Okay. You rolled a nat 20 though, so you double damage, right? Hey, I, Yes. Okay, so you do 18 points of damage. Yay! You are such a strong, beefy magic boy. Mm, Magic is what's strong. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess like you wheel around wildly in your drunken state. Purposefully. Purposefully. But it's really for you to like get an extra running start to really smash down on the tail. And yeah, you wreck this thing pretty hard. You know, guys, it is the most effortless actions on stage that take the most preparation and concentration. So I'm adding sound effects with these hits. And I may have even (laughs) snuck in a blood pack. To burst with that second hit. Yeah, the audience is loving it. But now it is the manticore's turn. And although the tail is damaged, it is not out. So the tail is focused on Johnny now. Sure. And it shoots three spikes at the wheeling drunken bodyguard. But as a drunken master, I definitely will dodge these. Well, we'll see what happens. That's a 12. Does not hit. That is a nat 1. Does not hit. Hurts itself. And that is a nat 20. 
that will probably hit me. Okay, so the first two, Johnny, you were able to drunken master out of the way, but the third one hits you right in the chest. Oh, that's going to hurt me. You take 10 points of damage. Cool. I'm at 48 out of 70. Yeah. The audience gasps when you get hit because they've really come around to the drunken bodyguard. I think that it's the performance is actually really good because this bodyguard is trying his very best and now he is injured, blood coming out of him because of the blood packs. Johnny, as the bodyguard, falls prone on his back with a flourish, making sure that in case the actual spike did not hit one of his blood packs, he will nudge it so that it bursts open with a, <laughs> with a lot of effect and does another harumph as he falls back. <laughs> it's very, it's funny. Anara, it is now your turn. Anara is going to pull her daggers from inside the pockets of her tuxedo pants that Johnny thoughtfully included, those uh, special, special side pockets of the tuxedo that everybody has and comes to rely on. There's one in the cummerbund, which is weird. <laughs> and... Hopefully, surprisingly, I don't know if this muse expects an attack from inside its own butt. So (laughs) she's going to punch up inside the hollow apparatus of the tail and slash her daggers in like an X shape. Okay. You're going to make an attack roll and then add your sneak attack damage. And then after that, we're going to see how selfily you did that. So the audience can tell whether or not a knife went out through the, the costume. So the attack roll is a 17. That hits. So the damage is a 4 and a 5. Okay. Plus, I got a 9 on my sneak attack bonus. That is 18 damage in total. Sweet. Okay, so now let's roll to see how stealthily you did that. That is a 14. Okay. So with an 18 damage, that is enough to drive the muse out and really do a number on this uh, manticore prop tail. You've defeated the muse in the manticore butt. Great job. And with a 14, I think that you did it upstage enough that people didn't see the knives coming out of the butt, but you definitely did damage to the costume. And I think you sliced the manticore tail off as well. As it's falling off, I use my foot to kick it up and have it angled as if it was still impaled into me from when I so nobly this bodyguard took the hit. And then while holding it, I'm going to wait till the lights go down to then scooch off. Yeah. By the end of the scene, the manticore runs after the evil uncle and Sebastian says, exit pursued by manticore. Everyone runs off and the lights go down. How did the audience like our little fight? How, How did da- they like the unscripted killing of the guard? <laughs> such, yeah. a, such a horrible, yeah. horrible how much, end. How it's much, such a metaphor for violence in society. I have a measure for this. I have a measure for <laughs> this. He was so noble and was brought so low before Paige his has death. done real innovation here to this old play. How much damage did everyone take? I took 10 damage total. I took six. Okay. I took zero. But I did yeah. some really cool stuff. We're going to knock this up one. The audience really loved that fight, especially because in a lot of productions, the Manticore doesn't actually fight. It's just kind of like a metaphorical battle. So good job, guys. And now you are up to an eight. The audience is having a great time. We are now moving forward into act three. This is the famous scene at the tavern. So as the lights go down in act three, scene two, Paige goes up to Tracy and says, all right, Tracy, do you remember your line? Do I remember my line? Tracy, what's the line? 
How dare you insult me with such a question? You still are not telling me what the line is. I have the line. The line is in my blood. It's in my veins. You don't have either of those things. That's an assumption you are making, and I will have none of it. We are over. This conversation is done. Tracy, what's the line? Tracy stares ahead at the stage. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's how the scene goes. Samson is at a tavern with his friends when Sebastian walks in. Samson spends the scene convincing his friends that they are not seeing Sebastian by singing in the condensa, Thy drink has thee blinded, so let's look to our glasses. But before Sebastian can come in, the old barkeep gets to answer the door when Sebastian knocks, and then you give your only line. Okay? Got it. So, during the blackout, Paige leads you by the hand to behind the bar. The other actors are set up at tables all over the stage and you look around it looks a lot like the giant mistake in there you know it's funny you say that because i was going to say that tracy as he was prepping and meditating before he went on stage he decided to take his inspiration from his good buddy and bartender hephaestus so uh he's rubbing his forehead a lot i guess (laughs) you get bangs (laughs) you bring a bucket from the prop room all right i like it the bros are hanging out upstage and they're talking to each other and then you hear a knock at the door. I'll get the door. <laughs> and Tracy does a nice flourish with his arms. <laughs> and then sashays over to the door. You can hear Paige off stage go. <sighs> so you walk over to the door. And On the way back, Tracy does a little... Um, Ball step change on the way back to the bar. Oh, well, it's funny that you mentioned that, Brando, because when you try to open the door... I'm sorry, I'm bartender from now on. I don't know. Bartender Brando. No, just bartender. B- old bartender. There we go. Uh, when you try to open the door, it's stuck. Alas! Sorry. <clears throat> oh, no, adding oh, lines. no more lines. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Tracy jiggles the handle and realizes it's stuck and says, Alas! The door is stuck. And tries to rip the door off its hinges. Okay. So, Johnny and Anara, I want you to make a perception check. 18. Six. Okay. <laughs> Johnny, you're still congratulating yourself on how good of a job you did in the first two scenes. <laughs> that seems on brand. Yeah. Anara, as you're getting out of the Manticore costume, you realize that the actor who's playing Sebastian, he's swatting at his costume. And it looks like his costume is changing. Like it's being moved around by invisible hands. I am going to run over there and say, hey, hey, what's what's the problem? Can I help? I don't, I can't, I'm not doing that. They can't, it won't get off of me. Stop. I need that. I need that. And it's like he, his shirt is being pulled up over his head and his shoes are being untied. Tracy. I must get this door off the hinges. <laughs> you went Scottish that time. That's good. Tracy, make a strength check. 14 plus 3 for 17. Uh, I rolled an 18. So you try to pull it open. Oh, it seems like you're lying, though. I show Brandon the die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you try to pull the door open, and right now you were, like, shaking it on its hinges, and it just will not open. The guest is too shy and does not want to enter the premises. So Anara, right now, the, the actor playing Sebastian is just trying to keep the costume from going all over the place. What do you do? I'm going to tell him to hold still. And take out my dagger to very carefully, with the base of it, the hilt of it, try to hit the hands that are pulling his fabric. Friends! Accomplices! 
Someone come help me. Welcome our guest aboard. <laughs> okay. Are you calling? So, so you- I'm yeah, I'm calling some of the actors, the extras over to help me try to pull the door open. Okay. So the actor who's playing the other prince, Samson, comes over and is like, ah, bartender. Oh, ye old bartender friend. That's he's very, me, sir. He's not very good at improv. Ye old bartender friend, I'm sorry that you're having such a hard time opening the door. Let me help you. And I whisper under my breath, it's actually stuck. Please, look, come on. Pull hard. All right, I guess, we, I guess we can do it together. Yeah, we can do it. Okay, so we're going to do another one, and uh, I'm going to give negative to the muse this time. Okay, what'd you roll? Uh, I rolled a nine. Okay, so I rolled a 13, but even with my subtraction, it still beats a nine. Hearing this commotion, Inar's going to, as she is trying really hard to like swat away the hands, cast Mage Hand. And try to make sure that the door is unlocked and try to open it from the inside. Oh, that's interesting. So, Inara, I want you to make a dexterity roll to try to swat the hands away. That is an 18. And then for Mage Hand, I want you to do a strength roll, but I want to give you advantage because the Muse is not expecting it from open from the other side. 16. I roll a 4. Well, so, even your tiny little rug friend is stronger than that. Tracy doesn't know this is happening, so on stage, he turns to Samson and says, I, even our own strength, can't open this door. Thankfully, we need to fire one anyway. And Tracy <laughs> pulls out his axe and gets ready to chop the door down. <laughs> oh, God. And the audience is freaking out. Samson is freaking out. All right, so with an 18, you are able to slap away the invisible hands that's messing with the actor playing Sebastian. So he's able to like smooth his costume out as best as he can. And with your mage hand, you push open the door from the other way and the door suddenly bursts open. It's like someone was holding it and then lets go. And the door hits both Tracy and the actor playing Samson and they uh, Pratt fall backwards. Now, Samson, I was not expecting this door to open on its own, sir. Why is your accent changing? Stick to one. Is uh, it? Is it, wait, is it changing? It is, it's changing. Am I, I thought I was doing the same one the whole time. No. <laughs> get off, get off stage. Get off, get out of here. And he pushes Tracy off of him. Well, I think I've had quite enough for this evening. <laughs> and Tracy is sort of like in cabaret fashion, just like raising his axe up and down as he kicks off stage. <laughs> okay. As Sebastian walks in, the drinking song begins with a trill of flutes and peppy fiddles. And Anari, you see that as the door is going to swing back closed. But as soon as the music starts, the door stops moving. Making sure that Tracy is all right, doesn't look harmed. He's just holding his axe and probably talking about the scene that just happened. I am going it was to... really good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did yeah, good, yeah. 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 Okay. And then I give him double thumbs up. And then I uh, run around the back of the set to find Paige. Paige has her head in her hands. I don't even know if you remember that one line. Why did he keep changing accents? Listen, Paige, this muse seems to come when there's no music playing. So, I don't know, maybe if we keep music playing somewhere, it won't come back. That is a very good idea. Okay, um, there, in the, if you run in the prop room, there are spare instruments in there. You can go grab one and see if we'll keep the muse at bay. You got it, don't worry. Cool. Yeah, great. Uh, you get, get ready for the, fi- the final scene. It's coming up. Act four is almost here. And Art's going to run through one of the other doors at the back wall of the set into a hallway with like a carpentry shop at one end and a paint closet in the middle and dressing rooms down at the end. And 
there is a door that's slightly ajar. It looks like the lock is unlocked um, that says props. Do not enter. I mean it. So uh, Enart runs in and there are barrels of swords and rows and rows and rows of lanterns and hats and canes. And in one corner, there are musical instruments. She grabs the first few that she can hold, which are a lute, a flute, and a little tambourine. (laughs) And uh, on her way out, she also grabs a helmet for a suit of armor to wear on stage. Good. I like it. So the audience is like confused you guys lose one you're now down to seven okay we are now in act four scene five this is the final scene the final confrontation sebastian and samson are forced to duel in front of their families each one drinks a sleeping potion in secret and pretends to be killed by the other's sword they both die and their families lament their death here all three of you are on stage Paige is trying to, like, force all of you on to stand there. Find We're not even going to talk about the fact that you died in the middle of scene Act 2. It's I fine. found bandages to make it look like I'm all bandaged up. <laughs> <laughs> so I found these guys in the wings and gave them the uh, instruments. Okay. The scene starts to ramp up, and the sword fight happens, and both of them die. The two princes fall into each other's arms. You see from offstage, Paige is freaking out. She's pointing out at the audience, and three rows in, you see that Professor Carriage is climbing over Greg and Bridge to get up and is trying to leave through the back. In the quiet of the serious scene, you can hear the locks on all of the doors click shut, and you see as uh, Professor Carriage walks to the back, the carpet from behind her starts to raise up and whip backwards, keeping her from walking to the uh, back exit. As if it were just part of the scene, Johnny's going to start playing and cues his two compatriots and fellow actors to start playing a song, a lamenting but hopeful song that fits the mood of this sad death of the two princes. Yeah, Nara's going to hit the tambourine really somberly with a minimum of rattling, (laughs) just trying to give that like solemn beat. Tracy's playing in key of B. Okay, I want all of you to make performance checks. (laughs) 16. 18 plus 4 for a 22. Oh, fun. I stopped playing the flute. (laughs) (laughs) The flute breaks. Oh, no. Tracy, what'd you roll? Well, first I rolled a 3, and I was like, don't worry, I have an advantage. Then I rolled a (laughs) 2. So. uh, What's the sound that you make for your flute with a 3? Um. But we're playing nicely. You two are playing very nicely. But with a three, it's still distracting on stage. And I think that you catch the attention of everybody on stage. They all look at you. The rug starts to settle down. It's definitely not pushing Professor Carriage back anymore. But Professor Carriage is still trying to sneak away into the back of the opera. Johnny starts singing a song about how rude it is to leave in the middle of a performance. Johnny, you really want to sing sing a song about that? I'll, I'll sing a song about... Isn't it nice to watch a performance in its entirety? Isn't it rude to just leave midway through? Isn't it nice to just keep watching and stop being rude? Just sit your butt down and sit and watch the show. Uh, That's a very good song, Johnny. You know what's interesting is that the professor hears you from on stage and she turns around and says, Excuse me, I really have to just go to the bathroom. I'm sorry. Let me go to the bathroom. That's why adult diapers are made. La 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 la. 
Intermission was the time to pee. Do not go pee right now. This is the climax of the show. Why don't you sit right down and watch the rest and then pee your pants? La 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 la. Yeah, sit down. This is the this is the climax. I made good money for this. People in the audience uh, shout down the professor. The professor then walks back to her seat, and uh, you hear all of the doors unclick. Paige starts to calm down and is not like visibly shaking anymore. The actor who has the final speech then steps forward and gives this beautiful speech about families coming together and love being the thing to conquer all when two princes can find each other no matter what the political turmoil is. Uh, And you look over and Greg is like crying into his hands and Bridge is like patting him awkwardly on the back. With his giant parrot wing. (laughs) Yeah. And then the two princes wake up and everyone just goes, hey, it was all okay. And then there's a wedding and then the play ends. (laughs) <laughs> With our music uh, boisterously scoring the moment. Yeah. I don't know what the orchestra director is doing during this play, just, but here we go. Just like, angrily looking at you. They've just, get, like, broken their baton and quit. <laughs> Probably. You guys did the thing. We did, you did it. the opera. What, how's, the, how's the applause sound like? Yeah. It's very good. You guys. Woo! Best play of the year! That bodyguard deserves a lot of accolades. Also, the singing was fine. Okay, so everyone comes up and does their bow. There are the actors uh, who have bit parts, and then the more substantial actors, and then the character actors, and then the two actors who played both princes come out to roaring applause. Paige then pushes all three of you out on stage, and you all get your chance to bow in front of the audience. Everyone is cheering with huge enthusiasm. Johnny has become like a special character in their hearts, so they cheer even though he died. And Louis Knight Daniels then tries to come out with you again, so because he wants some more applause. And he then he tries to stand in front of Johnny, and it's my thing. Him and And then Tracy rushes out in front of everyone and (laughs) curtsies with his apron. That's nice. Uh, And then Paige comes out and uh, takes a a long-deserved vow, and the audience is cheering wildly for her. I put Paige on my shoulders. All of the cast cheers for Paige and wholeheartedly is happy to have been in her operetta. And at that point, the audience starts to file out and goes out into the cold winter night. Professor Carriage runs up to the stage and says, I, I'm sorry I had to leave. I really had to go to the bathroom, but the, the, the opera was lovely. You did such a good job. I'm going to recommend you to the board. You passed with flying colors. Thank you for this wonderful rendition. I wouldn't have thought of this and done in such a colorful way. And I know that you've dealt with quite a lot here. Paige's a mess. She's crying. She's like, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass grad school. Thank you, everybody. Paige, you deserve it. Dr. Mrs. Queen Paige, we are very proud of you. It's me. Is there an after party? Will there there be an open bar? What is a snack situation? Yes, yes, and extremely. On the way out, Tracy grabs a couple of playbills to have his proof. Nice. Good idea. As uh, you three are walking out, you turn around and uh, all of the lights are going out except for the one glowing ghost light in the middle of the stage. And hovering around the ghost light is the muse. It swirls around the ghost light a few times, takes one long sweeping bow to an empty audience, and disappears back to its own plane.
Join the Party is brought to you by Brandon Grugel, Amanda McLaughlin, Michael Fache, and me, Eric Silver. I am your host and game master. Brandon edits, mixes, and scores the show. Amanda manages our community and our digital life. And Michael archives, manual checks, and cartographs our world. Special thanks to our creative consultants, Connor McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Hetty Hunt. The party doesn't stop here. The day after every episode comes out, we publish The After Party, where we sit down to discuss what just happened and learn what could have happened. Send us your questions anytime. Join our community online by following at JoinThePartyPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We've also got every episode up on our website, jointhepartypod.com. And you can email us questions or stories anytime at hello at jointhepartypod.com. If you're enjoying this ride as much as we are, help the show out by subscribing to us in iTunes and leaving a quick rating. For even more Join the Party goodness, check out our Patreon. Just a few dollars will get you access to drawings, character backstories, bloopers, and so much more at patreon.com slash jointhepartypod. We'll see you in two weeks. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.